What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to the Tuesday edition of All Canadian. Connor O'Neill, Wade Zanketa. We're live. We're live. Looking a little different. A little bit today. Just a little bit. But same old, same old goes for the beer. You guys know that we're coming to with Sawdust City Brewing Company, who offer brewery fresh beer delivered directly to your door. Visit their website at sawdustcitybeer.com to shop their wide variety of brews and to learn more. This May, CFP listeners are going to get an exclusive promo code. Use CFP, all caps, during checkout to receive free shipping on all orders over $100. Shipping is available to Ontario residents only. Must be of legal drinking age. I've got Narnia going. Connor? Got a nice Gravenhurst steam, California common. Oh, so tasty. On a Monday, holiday Monday, at that, after a big move. Absolutely. And because it was a holiday Monday, that means yesterday the Cornish Trophy was awarded on Victoria Day. We will get to that for you guys eventually. But we got to continue with some ad reads here first. We've got the new guys coming in. Area 51, who just did a run of incredible merch for us. Some clean-looking CFP stuff. Area 51 Sports Apparel is the newest player in the Canadian team sports uniform and equipment industry Locally and minority-owned, Area 51 Sports' goal is to provide high-quality uniforms, apparel, equipment at affordable prices. Area 51 Sports offers uniform and equipment for all sports at remarkable prices. Check them out on Instagram at Area51Sport or reach out to them via email at Area51SportApparel at gmail.com. Again, they went out and did some great stuff for us. We had that giveaway. I'm sure we're going to be having more coming up. Absolutely. Wait for the seasons to start, too, because it's looking more and more like we are going to be getting some football in this great country of ours. Uh, the three-phase opening here in Ontario puts us at about August when we can start having full-on outdoor recreational sports, which would line up with the start of training camp. It would actually give them a week or so break in between to get things going. So, on that note... We're looking forward to it. We're going to be going around two stadiums. We can officially start to say that at least now. Um, but CFL is also going to be going too. So we will be getting lots of Canadian football coming in. The CFL, though, still has not committed to that August 5th kickoff. I think they're just kind of holding on, biding their time, uh, and just kind of waiting to figure out things and make sure it's 100% certain they can play before they commit. Uh, they just don't want to say absolutely and then have things turn for the worst, I think. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, the August 5th start date, the CFLPA is pushing for answers. I think they're just getting antsy right now. Mm-hmm. I think that's all it is. They want to have that start date firmed up so they can start you know, telling players and let players know, hey, it's going on, we're going to get into training camps. But I think there's still some back-end stuff going on with the CFL that they don't want to come out and say, okay, it's confirmed if they're not quite ready to say it yet because then... Like, it's everybody excited, players, fans, coaching staffs, and then if you have to come out and maybe push that back, a little bit of disappointment, so I think they're just waiting until it's firmed up. Yeah, and you end up looking like the villain in something that would be completely out of your control. I mean, if we, for some reason, fall back as a country and have another strong hit of COVID and everyone has to shut down and close up again, it wouldn't be the CFL's fault, but because they said we're absolutely playing, they would end up being put as the villains and that's not fair to them so i'm glad they're not but uh they're gonna have to make a decision soon i totally agree but the owners and gms are ready to rock 
in mid-April, if you guys haven't heard, the Montreal Alouettes owner, Gary Stern, came out and said, I'm not hiding. I told you I'm in. I'm committed. I'm not running anywhere. We are funding it. So he is ready to go. They want football in Montreal. Yeah, and Darren DuPont filled in for Rod Peterson this week, and he kind of broke it down which teams had said, yes, we're playing, yes, we're going. And by the end of his list, he got down to Montreal and Toronto were the only two teams that had really not said, I wanted to play last year. I'm really looking forward to playing this year. And on that note, it kind of singled out the two franchises who, you know, weren't there whenever the league wanted to play. Now Montreal said, oh, I'm not hiding. I'm right here and I want to play. Kind of leaves the uh, MLSE and the Toronto Argonauts on an island by themselves, I think, for the teams that have been holding on against playing, really. Yeah, no, no, totally. So, I mean, waiting for word on the Argos, I guess. But like we've been saying, draft classes keep getting signed. Free agents keep getting signed. The draft happened. And here we have it. The Ticats go out and sign four guys from their draft class. Jake Burt obviously was a given. He's not included in this. But it consists of Nick Cross, Jalen Richard, Felix Gautier, and Miles Manilow. So those guys all have signed now with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. That's a great indication for me. Absolutely. And to bring in all your guys, and you're going to have the guys from last year too, um, yeah, I think the Tiger Cats are going to be really pushing. We saw Bob Young say, like, I'm wanting to play. I'm looking to play. So he's backing it up with his cash right now and signing more players to contract. So hopefully for them. Uh, they get to play a, a full season as CFL rookies and get welcomed into the league. And talk about CFL rookies. I know we have some news notes to get through here, but I mean, last round pick, last pick in the draft, Miles Manilow just signed, and I cannot wait to watch him in Golden Black. Absolutely. I, we love this guy coming into the draft, and now that he's signed, start building the hype. Maybe he gets sent back to Western. Maybe that's fine too. I'd love to have him in the OUA. And U Sports, but uh, if he does get a chance to play in the CFL, look out for this kid flying around on specials. Kind of a win-win for us. If he's in the CFL, we get to watch him in, in Hamilton. If he's in the OUA, we get to watch him at Western. Absolutely. I mean, either way, we're going to get a treat watching his tape this year. Uh, a treat for some fans in Quebec, though. The Bell Centre with the Montreal Canadiens allowing 2,500 fans. That's an indoor stadium. What does that mean for the Montreal Alouettes as they look to play outdoor? I think I'm pretty, I'm pretty hopeful that they're going to have fans in the stands right away uh, from the get-go in Montreal. Uh, Quebec seems to be opening up a bit quicker than uh, Ontario, so maybe some of the Ontario teams have to play in Quebec, like the Red Blacks, which wouldn't be too bad for them. Um, but I think the Alouettes allowing fans will be a certainty especially with the Canadians being allowed fans in the playoffs. Vaccines are rolling out. Cases are plummeting. I mean, you saw it, we had the tweet from CFL News earlier, and it showed the, the map of mm -hmm. the cases rising and falling. And where it comes to us, where we're at now, there is a massive decline on that graph. So that is very encouraging to see. Yeah, and that's, that's partly from the lockdowns. Like Alberta saw their cases plummet once they shut down completely. Ontario... Has started to drop off now that we've been locked down for a while. Um, but the more people follow the rules and the more people listen and get vaccinated, uh, the more we will see these cases diminish 
and the better chance we are getting back to live sports for the fans. Can't wait. I need live sports again, man. I need to get into a stadium and start yelling somewhere. You need live sports because there's going to be single-game betting in Canada. Might be. We are still waiting on Bill C-218. Uh, if the bill doesn't come out by June, a member of Parliament said, I don't think we're going to see it. And that's simply because we have an upcoming election this year. Uh, it's rolling around to the 44th, I believe, federal election. Uh, kind of uh, a big point. If you're, if you're going to be putting a new member into the Parliament as a Prime Minister, um, or if somebody else has to run for campaigns and worry about that, uh, passing a, a single-game gambling event bill isn't really high priority, I don't think. Um, so we will just have to wait until someone gets sworn in as the new Prime Minister of Canada, if it has to wait any longer. I think the government of Canada and like the feds have to be looking at this, though, going, we need to get this through. I saw a number come out. Single event sports betting in Canada alone, using off, offshore sites, things like, you know, Bodog and Bet365 and all those other offshore sites. So there's a number that came out, and with those offshore betting sites, that is $14 billion that the Canadian government can cash in on by coming in and allowing single event sports betting. So yeah, and if we're, we have a CFL, which is pretty strapped for cash, Allowing gambling and partnering with gambling companies like Bet99, uh, great way to throw them in here, that we are in fact brought to you by Bet99, wherever you want to find gambling in Canada, whether that is on the New York Knickerbockers, who played their worst game in quite a while, still only lost by one bucket. Uh, if you want to gamble on them or you want to gamble on LeBron James out in the West Coast, you can do so at Bet99. Just sign up with code CFP and they will match 100% of your initial deposit up to $600. Once again, we are responsible gambling and every game starts at Bet99. Are the Knicks like our team? Are, is the CFP like a Knicks bias uh, here? Because we've been every time we bring up Bet99, we're talking about the Knicks some way, somehow, and or Julius Randle. Well, I, I think Marshall really likes the Raptors. I've liked the Knicks for a while because I was a big Mellow fan, but it's been a quiet couple of years of fandom, but I'm happy to say that it's back. Um, Got the R.J. Barrett jersey hanging in the closet just down the hall, so. <laughs> I mean, I, I, was, I, was, uh, I was happy to see this uh, number come out about gambling because with the, the league that is so strapped for cash like the CFL, you can profit off this so much. It just is going to take a couple people to push it through, and once Parliament does push it, you can watch the revenue start to flow in if you're on the field. If not, you're going to see bare shelves and not a whole lot of uh, fruit to show, but uh, if you start playing games with this bill being passed, it'll be cash hand over fist. I think, yeah, the worry is just kind of, hey, like, are we going to get this through before the summer break in Parliament? And if we don't, what's it going to look like if we do go into an election? So I think, you know, the back end, they're just kind of looking at how fast can we get this through? I think, you know, gambling fans like us, we want it. The Canadian government wants it because it's just another revenue stream for them. So I think it's just a matter of if, or sorry, I think it's just a matter of when this bill is going to get pushed through, not if. I really do think that we see this come through because for them to lose out on a $14 billion industry doesn't seem like something that, regardless whether you're NDP, conservative, liberal, you don't want to lose on $14 billion. Especially coming out of deficits like we have accrued with COVID-19. One guy who uh, starting to make headlines, though, 
the Argos athletic linebacker Jordan Moore uh, eyeing the Tokyo Olympics this year. Hurdler has qualified uh, for the Olympic trials in Eugene, uh, Oregon, where he will be racing. Hopefully, you're going to have to place, uh, if you qualified for the Olympic trials, you got a good shot at it, uh, but he's still going to have to place high and hit the U.S. Olympic qualifying time at the trials in order to uh, have a chance of being selected. It's a big process to get picked. You have to hit the right time. You have to hit a certain amount of wins, and then they have to select you. So even if he finishes fourth and he has a really good time, they might not want to take him. It's interesting. It'll be interesting to see because I think we kind of brushed over it a little bit. Let's circle back. This dude plays linebacker. He's not a running back. He's not a receiver. He's not DK Metcalf. This dude plays linebacker and not even Sam. He plays Will or Mike. So this dude is just a freak. Yeah, and the whole DK Metcalf thing, I mean, it's different to run track. It is a much different style of running. But with DK Metcalf, he finished last in his heat at the Golden Games, which I'm is the last kind of trial spot for the U.S. Olympic trials. So that's the last chance to get qualified for the Olympic trials. So none of the big players in U.S. track and field were even running at that event. For Jordan Moore to come in and qualify for the trials, he's going to be running against the top guys in the country. Uh, and if he does remotely well, it'll be a huge plus for him. He said, too, he's like, I think the average is going to be, what, a 10 one somewhere around that, 10 flat. He's like, if I come in and run a 10 or a 10 I'm good with that because it means I, I competed. Obviously, his goal is to make mm-hmm. Tokyo, and he said, you know, that's that's I want to be on the Olympic team. That is my goal. That's what I'm working towards. But he said, yo, if I come out and I, I get near that, that is a that's a personal win for me. Yeah, and I think he'll... Uh... I've, I've never seen him run track, but if he's talking 10, 10 5 um, and he says I'm comfortable with that, I feel like he'll probably end up running around 10-4. Um, that's, that's nothing to shy away. It's still a great time for the hurdles. If you are, I mean, forget about it. Like if, you're, if you're the head coach, if you're his position coach as a linebacker, like if you're any coach or GM, even the GM within the Argos, and this dude comes out and gets close to qualifying for the Olympics, like, let's not forget, like, he hasn't played it down yet for the Toronto Argonauts. If you see him come close to qualifying for the Olympics, what does that do for you as a coach? Oh, I'm just praying he doesn't get hurt while he's running. Because if he's fast enough to be running at the trials, good enough for me. Could care less how he actually performs. And, like, take in, that guy's going to be roaming the middle of your linebacking core, too. Yeah, don't just... Just run right at him. Don't run away because he'll just catch you from behind. <laughs> um, best chance for him. So Angle tackles, not an issue. No. He will close gaps quickly. But time to move now. Main event, Cornish Trophy. Football Canada has announced the winner. That would be Alabama Crimson Tide wide receiver John Mechie III out of Brampton. Stat line, playing behind the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, filling in for the injured Jalen Waddle, both of those guys' first-round picks. He ended up racking in 55 receptions, 916 yards, six touchdowns. Fifth overall in the SEC for yards per catch with 16.7 yards. Um, so a very solid year for Mechie. Keep in mind, he was the third-best receiver on his roster. Those two guys that I've mentioned were first-round picks, like I said. He's now coming back. 
as the top dog in that Crimson Tide program, where Bryce Young, the top quarterback recruit in 2019, is now taken over. People thought he would have contended with Mac Jones last year in training camp, and he did. They just went with Mac Jones' experience. Now it's the Bryce Young show, and that offense is going to be electric. So he has a good chance, like Chuba Hubbard did after last year, to now go back-to-back. Over-under on 1,150 yards for John Mechie III next year. I'm going to say over. I'm going to go over with that. He'll he'll crack 1,000 easy. Uh, He's at 916 being the number two target. That offense has moved more and more into a pro-spread style. And with John Mechie now at the helm, Bryce Young's, he's a bit shorter, shorter than Mac Jones, but he's way more athletic, which means you're going to get a lot of chances for broken plays uh, where John Mechie's athleticism will shine as well. Oh, he's going to be Young's favorite target. Oh, absolutely. And Bryce Young's going to have a hell of a year. I, I honestly am so like. I hate saying I'm excited to watch Alabama football. It's exciting when they have a top quarterback recruit for the first time in years. Yeah. It is so exciting. Tua was a high-level prospect, but he was not the guy. Bryce Young, DJ Uyunglele out of Clemson, those two guys were neck and neck all year. They played all against each other twice in their senior seasons, and it was just light shows every time. Young ends up taking home the number one ranking and going to Alabama after decommitting from USC. I'm, I'm just going to come out and say it. I'm excited to watch Alabama play football next year. Not excited to watch Michigan, though. No, and hopefully they don't match up uh, by some fluke chance, because that would be ugly for your Wolverines. I mean, every game has been pretty ugly for those Wolverines, but I mean, circling back to the, some Cornish stuff, though, like, John Mechie wins. We came out when the finalists were announced. We gave our picks. I said John Mechie... Wade said Eamon Ogbonamiga. Are we surprised that John Mechie won? He's the offensive guy. He's the big school guy. He had a pretty decent stat line this year. Like, is it a surprise to us that John Mechie, and he was a national champion, are we surprised here? No, because I think the way the voting worked out, we're going to get to it in a bit more detail, but Eamon Ogbonamiga had more first overall votes. So more people said he should be number one, but every time that he was not the number one guy, he was ranked further below where John Mechie was because people weigh the national championship. They say, look, he had 900 yards. Sure, that's pretty good, but he was also a national champion. That adds that extra little boost in your votes. So in the end of the day, he ended up beating Eamon by three points because of that national title and the fact that his team was on top of college football and he was a big contributor in that. Certainly. And I mean, as much as we want it to be, it's it's not a career award. It's a single season award. But when you go back and look at, and we heard Jim Mullen say this last week as well, when you go back and look at the collection of tape and the stat lines and the awards, second team, all Big 12, Eamon Ogbonamiga over his career, I don't think we've seen somebody as consistent for that long of a duration and continued the growth too. He got better year to year to year. Yeah, and it's con- it's continuing in consistency, but it was across multiple positions, which was the interesting part. Like we look at his stat line from this past year, 81 total tackles, five TFLs, two and a half sacks, three forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, the whole bit. He gets everything done. 
the year before he was playing off the edge as a pass rusher, he still had high numbers. So for him, it's it, it, if it was a career award, like Jim and Connor just said, it would have been aiming in a runaway. But for this sole year, uh, Mechie's impact on a national title winning team was just too hard for the voters to ignore. But, I mean, Eamon didn't really trail that far behind. I mean, take into account the national championship. If we take that away from John Mechie, I mean, we can't really. I mean, we love to play hypotheticals here. But if we take the national championship away from John Mechie and just stack them side by side without that national championship, do you think Eamon would have edged out John Mechie? Yeah, it was, it's close enough in the polls. I mean, we're going to mention this in just a second. We keep kind of teasing you guys for it. It's a three-point difference. Those three vote voting points, I, I see that as the national chance. I see probably five to six votes. You could say someone maybe just went, oh, Josh Palmer, John Mechie. Oh, well, Mechie was the national championship. Let's put him above. And the fact that they put him that one slot higher creates the difference. So um, before we start talking about more guys, we're going to break down the votes for you. First place votes went Eamon Ogbongamiga, 9, John Mechie, the 3rd, with 8. Josh Palmer had 2 first place votes, and then Alaric Jackson had 1 first place vote. On the total votes, though, John Mechie had 94, Eamon, 91, Palmer, 66, Alonzo, 61, or Alonzo, die, 61, sorry, uh, Chuba Hubbard at 44, and then Alaric Jackson at 43 to round out the 6 finalists. So when you really look at it, it was going to be between Eamon Ogbongamiga mm. or John Mechie the third. There was nobody else that came close. As much as we loved and rooted for Josh Palmer, and you heard Jim Mullen say it last week as well, Josh Palmer was, at this stage in his career, was the better wide receiver product than John Mechie, but it was 94-91 for Eamon and, and John. Yeah, and with Josh Palmer, unfortunately, it was a situation out of his own control that resulted in him having not as great numbers or being on as good of a team because when Josh Garantano was throwing the ball for Tennessee, watch out in the 10th row. He was spraying them. Um, to me, though, if we're talking odd votes, Alaric Jackson had a first-place vote but still finished dead last. That gap would have been bigger had he not gotten that first-place vote between him and Chuba Hubbard. Iowa alum on the, the voting board? <laughs> I'd like to know. Um, but no, with Eamon, like, or with Alaric Jackson getting that first place vote, maybe it was a first place because of his career. Because he didn't have great tape. He, he did not show out this last year, but he was a four-year starter who just stayed consistent the whole way through. And if you're looking at it, it's it's a big thing for be, to be a four-year starter at an offensive line school like Iowa. And, I mean, to me, if, it, if we're judging it off this year, maybe some of the voters got a bit confused, but Alaric Jackson should... Honestly, I'd give Alonzo this first-place vote um, or Josh Palmer over either of Alaric Chuba. Just Chuba Hubbard with injuries and Alaric Jackson's play, uh, to me, just didn't warrant first-place votes. Uh, yeah, I think if you were going to throw a first-place vote to anybody, if you are just going to give out... Like, you know, we have this one kind of leftover vote. If it's going to anybody, for me, it's going to Alonzo Adat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you had 20 voters, and out of those 20 votes, one guy said, you know what? This average offensive lineman was the best player 
instead of, you know, the top defensive player for Oklahoma State, one of the top, they have a really good DB, uh, I'm just blanking on his name, but one of the top player in the box for sure, or, you know, the guy who kind of helped push Alabama over the top, or the only receiving threat at Tennessee, or, you know, one of the best safeties in the NCAA they don't deserve this vote. This average offensive lineman does. And that, that just kind of threw me the wrong way. I do like the parity this year, though. It's not offense, 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 offense. No. Nope. you got John Mechie. you got Eamon Ogbonga-Mamiga, Josh Palmer, and then Alonzo Adai. Those are your one, two, three, four. So it alternates. It's, it's offense, defense, offense, defense. And I like that. I think we see now with the awards, whether it's you know the, the Cornish Award or the Heisman or whatever it may be, MVPs for, for the NFL or MVPs for the CFL. It is so much offensively dominated because you can look, you can concretely look and be like, okay, well, that guy had 5,000 passing yards. <laughs> exactly. So it, to me, it's just, I think maybe this is a defensive bias coming out. But I was going to say, it might come from <laughs> us. If hey, anyone, it's going to come from us. I'm sticking up for Eamon Ogbonga-Miga right now. He's not a DB, so we can take that right out of it. But well, you give him a couple years, he might end up. I mean, he went from the box to linebacker. Maybe he goes to safety and starts blowing people's heads off. He does have the coverage ability. He does. <laughs> but I no, I just I really liked the parity in the list this year and just how one, two, three, four went offense, defense, offense, defense. Uh, yeah, me too. I, I like the fact that we aren't going to look at concrete stats. I mean, if we were, Alonzo might have jumped Josh Palmer if we were looking at concrete stats. But we're looking at contribution, uh, contribution to the team, overall level of play. Um, I think they got it right because John Mechie is the national champion. Um, but I'm glad that the voting was as close as it was between one and two this year. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, again... You look at John Mechie, he had near 1,000 yards, he had six touchdowns on the season, he's a national champion, he stepped in big time for Jalen Waddle and really took mm-hmm. over that kind of number two receiver role. He Obviously, took over Devontae Smith's role. He really did, and the dude showed up and played defense too a little bit. We still all remember that hit. Yes, we remember the hit, Connor. We don't need to bring it up, okay? Um, but on that note, we look forward to next year's Conus Trophy. Uh, we do have guys like Liam Dobson. We have, of course, John Mechie's going back. Alonzo Adai's going back. Um, Could we see Daniel Joseph sneak in there as well? He, he might sneak in there now. Uh, Luigi Valang is going to be at Wake Forest. Don't know if he'll sneak in there. Uh, Nathan Rourke's younger brother is the quarterback at Ohio. So we have a lot of Canadian talent down south of the border uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, if Deshaun Steven gets a D1 offer somewhere, he could be in the finalists for this award. Uh, there's a ton of guys. Dean Leonard, of course, he's going to be one of my favorites going in. Um, but we have a ton of guys to watch. And if we don't end up getting Canadian football up here, you can get your Canadian content south of the border because the top-end guys are finding a way south of the border, and they are finding a way to make huge contributions and play at top levels. Are you bold enough to make a front-runner prediction for next season that's not John Mechie? <laughs> well, he is the front-runner, so... Uh, honestly, if I was to pick someone not named John Mechie, it might have to be Dean Leonard. I mean, we have Patrice Rene coming back, too. No, I'm going back with my pick. I'm taking Alonzo. <laughs> this guy was second-team All-Big 12, right behind Trevon Morig, who was a second-round pick of the Raiders. He's going to come back 
with like hell on wheels. He is going to make plays left, right, and center. Um, he's going to put his name in the top conversation for best safety in the NCAA. And it's going to show in the corners voting when it's all said and done. He has a good chance to be one of the nation's top DBs. Um, he's got a lot of speed, a lot of ball skills, and a lot of experience now. I think he's ready to make the jump up three spots and dethrone John Mechie if I was to make my... Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think Alonzo Dye is going to have an incredible campaign next year with West Virginia. Really excited to watch him play some ball down there. Uh, that does it for today's episode, though. We are going to close this one out. And as always, Canadian Football Perspective is brought to you by Fox 40. For all your return-to-play whistle needs, head over to fox40shop.com and enter the code CFP15 for 15% off all your return-to-play whistle products. And that's the end of today's episode. Wade and I are going to go finish off these sawdust cities. And we just want to remind you guys that Sawdust City Brewing Company offers brewery fresh beer delivered directly to your door. Visit their website at sawdustcitybeer.com to shop their wide variety of brews and to learn more. This May, CFP listeners are getting an exclusive promo code. Use CFP during checkout to receive free shipping on all orders over $100. Shipping is available to Ontario residents only. Must be of legal drinking age. Yeah, and you guys know where to find us as always at Connor R. O'Neill, at Wade Zank27, and at CF Respective. Take care, enjoy the Wednesday show. We will see you Thursday. Hope you guys had a good long weekend.